Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soschnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. On this week's show, we have Carlos Rodriguez, owner and CEO of European eSports team G2. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. Joining us is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Evan W. Williams. I want to start with the NBA. Now they're saying that fans can purchase the fourth quarter of any NBA game on League Pass. Yeah, we've been hearing about this for some time. This is not a surprise. This is one of those, oh, they finally got around to announcing this. They're, they're doing it. They, they were they were testing micro-buys in-app. That's what this is about. Uh, do you want to sample a piece of a game? Uh, I think the NBA knows that some, some people just kind of like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter or the fourth quarter or in the betting world now, Michael, you may have heard that uh, betting may come to many states. What? Yeah, if it's a tight game or, you know, it's right on the line, somebody may want to tune in and see. This is just a natural expen- uh, extension of the digital sports viewing world and things that are things that are coming um, and another revenue stream for the NBA. Of, of the four leagues, the NBA certainly has done the best so far in breaking down its digital media rights in an a la carte way. For a while now, I think three seasons, you've been able to buy a single game for $7.00. All of their league packages also have monthly deals. This is certainly the smallest, $2 for a uh, for a fourth quarter. Uh, as Scott said, micro-purchases. It, it exists in video games right now. It, it's all over. Trying to get people to part with their money in smaller ways uh, more frequently. And fourth quarter is certainly something that the NBA fans might do. And, Bar, it's very funny. You know how we talk about OTT? That's all the rage these days. OTT, direct-to-consumer. Right. When you think about it, League Pass was the first OTT. That's in essence what it is. That's a d- direct-to-consumer service that's been around a really long time. So it's no surprise that the NBA is in here first. got to bring up a quote from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. He says that we imagine a situation where a fan has dinner at 8 o'clock and only has about 30 minutes and can choose to buy a half hour of a game. Now, I get it. That's, that's nice. But... I'm I'm from the here school. Comes I know. Here I go. It's like there's a reason why there are four quarters in the NBA, and there's a reason why there are 500 miles in a in a race. It, it, it I'm not I'm not I get it, but 
I want to see the whole game. Are there 500 the miles race. in the Brickyard 400? It, you know what I mean. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to see the whole game, you you pay. You can pay seven dollars, and you can and you can see it for the people that only want to watch the fourth quarter, which is me. If I want to watch basketball at all, uh, the fourth quarter might be enough for Dang, me. Man. If I want to watch basketball at all, man, it's like basketball. I I, it, I I will say it and say it again. Basketball to me is the, out of the four major food groups of the sports is the best. And because it's short and concise, about over a little over two hours. So, moving right along, let's talk about uh, companies around the world. They're going to spend $65.8 billion on sponsorship deals this year. But how many of these businesses know if it actually works or not? Yeah, that's that's the rule. And I've been asking this for a long time. Every time I deal with folks who sponsor and they're spending big dollars, whether it's naming rights, and now, of course, they're usually way more intricate than that. I always ask them, and it's interesting to hear the responses, how do you measure the return on investment? How do you know whether you're getting your money's worth? And some don't always have good answers. They, they figure they do. They're trying new new analytics. But according to MKTG here, obviously, a lot can't really say whether they're getting their money's worth. I don't think I've ever really had a sponsor that was able to fully break down ROI on, a, on an advertising deal. And I think it might be one of the reasons why you're seeing advertising deals change. You know, in the past couple of weeks... I've written about State Farm's new deal, naming rights deals for stadiums and arenas, uh, and Mastercard's new esports deal, and 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 both of them essentially said that the the traditional ad model, where you're paying either for traditional commercial time or to put your sign somewhere, uh, is going out of fashion, and a large part of that is for this reason that it's very difficult to assess how effective that is in either driving your brand out there in terms of brand awareness or acquiring customers directly. You know why I think that it works very well for a sport like hockey? Because you put the brand, let's say you put PNC Bank on the sidewall of the rink. Yeah. And the camera's going on, and it's unlike the NBA where the sponsorship changes because of their the way they have it going. You, It has to stay there. It, it's stationary. Well, you, you ready? I'm going to bring up Jackson because i got to bring my son in. You know what I loved last night? I swear this happened. Nine years old, we're watching... The Rangers and the Islanders preseason game from Madison Square Garden last night, and the camera panned, and one of the Dash or board advertisers is Dunkin' Donuts, who, as we know, is changing the name, and it had the DD. Yeah. He goes, hey, Dad, are they going to take away one of those Ds? Good question. Right. Nine years old. And he knew it. My boy. And those were some of our topics for this week's show. Now let's get into Scott Evan and my interview with the guest we have this week, Carlos Rodriguez. He is the founder and CEO of Esports Team G2. Carlos is a retired mid laner known for playing SK Gaming. Carlos, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Uh, I love being here. We've been doing this show for over a year now, I think. You're, you're the first esports-specific guest uh, that we've had. So for our audience who doesn't fully know esports, certainly not as well as you, uh, G2 is that the Real Madrid of European esports? Is that a fair comparison? People actually sort of compare us to Real Madrid very, very often. And, uh, you know, esports, which is video game competition, we've been here for a long time, and people sort of understand and know who's behind G2 Esports and, and you know, all the management, the players, all our known figures within our industry. Um, so, yeah, people sort of connect us to Real Madrid very often, which I, I don't dislike because I've been <laughs> a, historically a Real Madrid fan. Are you, not, are you Ronaldo? 
I used actually I'm more Ronaldo fan than Real Madrid fan even. That so now guy, a Juventus okay. fan is that? I'm Juventus <laughs> fan, yeah, exactly. How did you start? When did you start playing? How does that happen? Yeah, so it, it, it's not like from one day to another, right? But, um, you know, I was very young. I, I always, you know, competed in traditional sports. I, I competed in soccer. I played for Atletico Madrid, by the way, which, by the way, I have, I have a good story. Um, uh, first day uh, doing the tests for Atletico Madrid, which is like the rival of Real Madrid from back in the days. And the first thing the coach says, which nowadays would be impossible, but the first thing he says is, who's a Real Madrid fan from here? And a few kids raise their hands. They can't be the smart kids who raise their they, hands. They, they got kicked. <laughs> They got kicked from the test. There you go. And there I realized <laughs> that I would do everything for success because I did not raise my hand. I'm the worst fan ever, you know? So I, I kept playing and I kept it as a secret. And, and that's, you know, is <laughs> is a funny little story. Uh, <laughs> you were smart. Yeah, no, that, that, that's how it goes. And I, I, was, I was 11 years of age approximately. And my dad comes from work and he's like, you know, I know this game. I'm going to play with my friends and blah, blah. So it was called Half-Life, which is essentially what Corner Strike, which is one of the largest esports today, right. uh, turned into. And, and, and he started playing, you know, with, with, their friends, uh, with his friends for, for a few weeks. And, and one day uh, he had to go to the restroom. I was always watching him play. And he would let me play for like two minutes or three minutes when he went to the restroom. And in those three minutes, like I did really well, apparently. And, and his friends, he was communicating and with. He, in he had, ICQ. Did they have any idea it was you playing? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought he, maybe you stepped he told in them, through your okay. He told them, hey, guys, it's my son. You know, go, Take go it easy, easy on him. him. Well, you know, he returned and, and, and they said, why don't you go do the homework of your son and your son <laughs> stays here with us because he's kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That it's, you know, from years ago is like, you know, and my kid, he, now he's 13. And my kid, what he would be on the video game, and I'm like, all right, now you got to do your homework. And then as it progressed, how much money can be made in esports, and I see that he's pretty good at Fortnite, I'm like, you go ahead, John. There you go. Go ahead and play, buddy. I mean, it, it, it's so nice to see. You know, when I was trying to convince my parents that this was a good idea, it was a no-go. It was just a – there was no way it was going to be a good idea for them. So, um, you know, it, it was really slow, right? Right now it's very easy to, in hindsight, look back and say, yeah, you know, it was a good idea that we let him do that. But uh, it was really tough. You know, you're, you're not used to see video game competition bringing any money to anybody. All you see is these people that have troubles and problems or whatever, which is not the truth, really. It's like a mythology. Uh, and, 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 you know, so I, I thank my parents for having kind of that forward-thinking attitude and let me do, you know, my, what my dream ended up becoming. Um, but today, yeah, you, you look right now at the industry and um, you see so much money involved and so much opportunity, not only just to be a player, but also to create, you know, video content, to live stream, to be a anything, a producer, anything, really, any, even photographers make good money nowadays in esports, which wasn't the case before, of course. For American football, way back when, when the NFL was just starting, it was common to see players become owners. It was kind of the yep. next step, um, which is what you did. You, you were a very successful player. You became owner G2. Is esports now past the point where that's a transition that happens easily? I mean, it's not happening in football anymore. It's not happening yeah. in any other big sports. Uh, are you kind of the last of the of the of the players that kind of ease into to ownership and and kind of take off in the rocket ship from there? How, about how much did you pay to get in though? At the, what did you pay for ownership to get in? Yeah, that, that's a good point. So over the course of four years, we um, uh, more or less raised. All, I can't say the exact number, but all the way from three to six million capital, um, which is not a lot for the position we're in at the moment. We're a top team at the moment. If you want to do, if we want to replicate what we did in the past four years today, 
that is going to cost you probably 40, 50 million minimum. Um, so I, I recognize the lack, you know, of in terms of timing. Timing is a, is a big, it's a big topic here. Um, it, you know, it, when I got started, things were much cheaper. Things were more a bit, you know, the wild west. So, um, you know, if you were somebody ambitious, you could many ways get away with poaching players and things of that nature. Uh, and that's what we did. You know, there were no rules. So why, why not, right? And, and yeah, so during those four years, uh, even though there were significant resources invested into it, um, uh, you know, and a lot, of up, a lot of ups and downs, the industry has developed incredibly much. And now we're at a point where players can, I don't think, any longer essentially form their team because the barrier of entry is just so high. It's just, it's just really tough. You can't just, you know, as a former player, create something from zero. How does the entire ecosystem change mm-hmm. when it's institutional money that's involved? It's not, as you said, sort of the single one-off person able to do it anymore. Oh, it's a positive development because the access to talent becomes, uh, I mean, talent becomes more accessible. So that means that revenue generation grows faster than it would have otherwise. Uh, production quality of events and, and even just in-house production becomes better because people from other industries that bring their know-how and experience uh, essentially upgrade the quality, the overall quality of the industry. So overall, it's a really good thing. And what I've come to uh, realize through doing those, those four years, and I mean, I've been here for now 15 years as a player and now team owner, is that esports has something really valuable, or video games in general has something really valuable, that unlike in traditional sports where, yeah, NFL may be decelerating, right? But at the end of the NFL, you know it'll be there for the foreseeable future and beyond even. Um, uh, When it comes into esports, there is beauty in the fact that it's a very open market. And right now there are, hundreds of different publishers and developers trying to come up with the next biggest eSport. And that creates a lot of competition between them and forces them to always be ahead of the curve, always be creative, always trying to update the game in a way that keeps people engaged. It, it is not an easy thing to be a publisher, uh, even Epic Games with Fortnite. There'll be a moment in time, probably not uh, too far off uh, in terms of time, that they will have to come up with a different game or they will need to do something to keep people engaged with Fortnite. Seems and like the drug wh- companies. Is that why you have, your your <laughs> G2 has 11 different teams? Why you're kind of spread out? It's yeah. not just League of Legends. It's not just Counter-Strike. You're in Fortnite. You're in a bunch yep. of others. Just kind of deflecting or protecting yourself against that moment when you wake up and, wow, no one, no one's playing PUBG anymore or no one's playing Fortnite anymore. Yeah, but first of all, I don't think it happens from one day to another, but other games like Call of Duty Black, uh, Black Ops 4 apparently will get a lot of market share in terms of Battle Royale games, which is what Fortnite is and PUBG is. And and you want to be ready for that moment when that happens or if that happens. Now, I don't think about it defensively. I don't think about it like, oh, this game may die one day. I think about it on the offense. So the majority of our games, so there's four games that are, just super large and just safe bets because you know it'll be there from the foreseeable future. But there are games that are just bets that you expect in the next 12 months, the game will pop off and will become a tier one game. Super played, super watched. And in in a way, we approach this uh, as if it was a portfolio, right? Uh, We we look at uh, target audiences, for example, Counter-Strike, which is a shooter game, 
uh, he, it's very loved by old school esports uh, uh, lovers and supporters. Whereas League of Legends is a bit of a younger demographic, whereas Fortnite is an even younger demographic. And then you have games like Hearthstone, which is a card game, is very strategic, not too much dependent on mechanics and reflexes at all. Therefore, uh, you know, a target audience all the way from 26 to 38 years of age is more common to be found in Hearthstone. So this is the way we approach kind of our teams. We want to be able to tap into millennials and, and post-millennials and even kind of older generations uh, in a conscious way. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. We're talking with Carlos Rodriguez, the founder of G2E Sports. Now, I have a serious question, but before I get to that, I have to bring this up. And this is something that happened on Fortnite. And I was there the night it happened with my 13-year-old. Apparently, it was a special night when, I guess, the rocket was going up. And everybody made a pact. Said, we're not going to fight. We're just going to watch the rocket go up. Well... One guy didn't follow that path. <laughs> Started shooting everybody? Was that, and, was that and, you, Mark? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and he got the record for kills on Fortnite. And everybody's like, hey, man, that wasn't That fair. doesn't count. I was just going to ask, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. That sounds like something I, I could do. I could see myself doing that. Everybody just looking at the sky. And I was yeah, no, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> you got the same mindset of this guy. Well, Bar, are you as angry as I am, though, with some of these video game makers when your kid comes to you? It's, like, unfair. 
Oh, these in-game purchases. Oh, man, it's so unfair. Like, oh, man. We, we got to be the bad people. No, I'm not buying you the skin. I'm sorry, what's a skin? I'm not buying you the wrap, the weapon, the... For, he, he wanted me to pay... $99, $299, there, there was a dance it, it, he wanted me to pay for. I don't know what yes. it was. Like, here's the beauty. Okay, here's the beauty. When somebody tells you you have to spend money on this game, you feel bad. You're like, you don't tell me what to do. I don't spend no money, no game. And and all of a sudden, they don't tell you to spend money, but you'll spend on average two, three hundred bucks a month just to look slightly better and to have some kind of funky dance. That's so funny. Oh, but did man. you see the story? What was it? The Times or the Journal where people are hiring Fortnite tutors? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You you know you've got good market share and that's going to be around for a while when people are hiring tutors. You must look at that and say cha ching. I, I love it. I love it. And my point with with the pharmaceutical companies is they're investing in R&D. Like not every drug becomes a big seller and makes mm -hmm. money. It's sort of some of your your there's research and development going on. Not every game has become a global success. The vast majority lose money. There you go. Only very few break even and even fewer make any meaningful amount of money. But even if you're in that position, you're not in that position forever. Like, this is what I like about this industry. It always keeps you on your toes. Because as gamers, people that grew with games are used to change and embrace change. Unlike in traditional sports where things don't change as much. I mean, I'm not against it. You know, I, I still enjoy a lot of traditional sports. But it is true that they're not needing to change too much, right? I mean, the soccer, you saw what they did in soccer with the, with the, um, with the video thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the line, the video, like, it's just so small changes. The game doesn't change at all. And people still freak out. For us gamers, we want that change. We embrace that change. And as a result, publishers are held accountable to change in a meaningful way and, and remain creative regardless of the success of their game. Let's talk about valuations for a second. Mm -hmm. I, can you say how much G2 is, is worth right now, enterprise value? I can't. Okay. But, uh, but, you know the, the the way the way we look at um, at, at multiples and, and and things of this nature, um, looking at NFL is a good starting point in terms of revenue multiples. Um, it's you know it, it's it's not easy to identify exactly what the value is of esports team because there are so many variables attached to it. Like how fast is the industry growing? How likely is it that 20 years from now, G2 Esports will still be a top five uh, organization on earth? Well, I say really likely, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's a shock. But, but you know, it, it, there are so many variables mm -hmm. that define kind of your valuation. There are teams out there that are, you know, valuations that I hear $100 million, $200 million. You know, th Plus. those are num yeah, those are numbers that are middling NHL franchise valuations. Yep. Um, and when I think about the way NHL teams make money, it's, it's obvious to me. They have a pretty good-sized media contract. They sell 10,000-plus tickets a game for their home games. You know, they, they sell merchandise, et cetera. Uh, give me a sense of where the, the revenue comes in for an eSports franchise like G2 because the tickets are not, you know, that's not a portion in the same way that it is for NHL. That's right. So right now, on average, you'll find across the board for top, for top teams, you'll find... 40 to 50 percent of the total revenue sponsorship revenue below the nine sponsorship deals 25 percent approximately will be media rights um, um and 25 percent will approximately merchandise when do you when so do you totally see the media skyrocketing when do you see the media surpassing because that's what we're so, seeing here yeah so we do see that there is a clear trend in media rights broadcasting rights uh, becoming more uh, important for for our pnls as time goes by but 
um, I don't think is going to be as crazy as in traditional sports because in when it comes down to merchandise, for example, we have access to something that <clears throat> no traditional sport has, which is digital merchandise. You're talking about skins in Fortnite. What if there's a G2 Esports skin in Fortnite and we get a cut from that, which we will. Um, when that happens, you're having access to a revenue vertical that no other industry has access to. And you're directly monetizing the fan through merchandise, but in their game. And it's infinite because new games will come in, will become popular, people will buy those skins from G2 Esports in that new game. Um, so if I could explain to you as, as simply as possible where I see the majority of the difference today in terms of why isn't esports uh, at the level of revenue that NFL is, for example. Uh, I see merchandise distribution as being incredibly underdeveloped as the, at the moment in esports. <clears throat> um, I see fan loyalty payments almost non-existent. Same for ticketing. There are just no team venues. We are actually putting together one of the first team venues open to the public in, in Berlin, actually. And then we will probably open one in North America very soon. And, and, and that's the path, right? But we have not done anything yet. And what I consider also a super incredibly important aspect is that why do why does a, a, a Patriots fan buy um, a jersey? Well, there are many aspects attached to it, but it's probably because he saw somebody from uh, your Jets, uh, you know, wearing theirs, right? So you feel that rivalry that fuels the anger from each fan to represent their teams, their favorite teams. And that's something that you can only build through decades of rivalries. And we are not there yet in esports because esports is not even that, that old, right? We are talking about 15 years, 17 years old, maybe. Um, so these rivalries, as they develop... And you find, you know, Cloud9 versus G2 Esports so often happening, so often happening. Fans will find kind of those, uh, uh, that as a great opportunity to represent their teams. And as a result, merchandise revenue will increase exp exponentially. So those are things that you guys can learn from or, or grow out sure. of from traditional sports. Flip it for me for a second. What are things that you look at from an NFL team that an <laughs> NFL team is doing now that you think, man, that is archaic we do that already so much better than insert NFL or NBA team here. Um, let's overly simplify again. Like the, 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 it, it strikes me as incredible, actually, that NFL is decelerating and they're still growing in revenue. Like it, 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 it strikes me as really incredible because it just shows their ability to sell their inventory as a whole. Like every single stakeholder has developed a, an innate ability to oversell their inventory. Whereas in esports, you will see the other side of the coin where you, you have a lot of inventory or you have a, a lot of great products, an incredible amount of eyeballs, the perfect target audience, but it's under monetized. So <clears throat> one can teach the other uh, you know, in each respective area. We can learn a lot, a lot in esports about how to monetize that incredible inventory that we have. Whereas sports can learn from us uh, a lot of things related to production, a lot of things related to uh, remaining original and creative and embracing change. We're talking to the founder of G2 Esports, Carlos Rodriguez. And I hate to sound like Debbie Downing here, but... Uh, Honestly, it, it just stuns me. Your voice is perfect. It, <laughs> like, it just stuns me. It's just so unfortunate that he's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> he had to say it. I mean... <laughs> You see what I got to deal with here? Every week. <laughs> the, the gamers were hoping 
That was pretty good. <laughs> Gamers were hoping that uh, eSports would be part of the Olympic Games. But there was a survey. It was fairly recently. Uh, and they asked uh, about 400 sports industry professionals around 42 countries. Is eSports an Olympic sport? And the bottom line was about 57% said no. And I guess to get your thoughts, because it takes coordination to do the game. I mean, it's not like, you know, watching Championship Bridge, where it's like, okay, I'm going to hold a card. You have to do something on this controller, and you have to be coordinated to do it. Uh, I, was, I had the honor of speaking for the Olympic Committee a few weeks ago uh, on behalf of eSports, and it strikes me as really odd that I'm going to put you an example they focus sometimes on, okay, it's not really a sport because you don't do anything physically. Well, I can tell you sports uh, within the Olympics that don't require to move your hands in any meaningful way or have incredible reflexes. Um, then some people will focus on, well, some esports are violent. And not only do I find that ridiculous, because first of all, when I kill you in a game with a weapon, I'm just showing you that I'm faster more accurate or smarter or all three all three things at the same time, right? And by the way, we uh, knew that the coyote, when the anvil was dropped on him, that he was going to come back and get the roadrunner later. So it's like we can we can pick that up, like what you're saying. It's like, you know, it's, like it's not real. So. Good point. Fantastic. So and, and, and on top of that, you have boxing is, is an actual Olympic sport. So, I mean, I consider that violent and it's okay, you know? Um, so in, in my mind... Esports does not need the Olympics to, uh, you know, so to say, become more commercial or mainstream. And this is uh, a bit odd from Olympics standpoint, which is that, or from people that kind of voted here. Um, uh, reason is because we are the new people. If you disagree with how the world is moving, then you're disagreeing with progress. And as a result, in the next 20, 30 years, you'll find out that your target audience is disappearing. I have a feeling that the esports Olympics sport debate is something that's going to be uh, bandied around for uh, for a long time now. Yeah. Carlos Rodriguez, owner of G2 Esports, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. You can catch G2 uh, competing at uh, the ESL New York event this weekend here in New York City. Hey, Carlos, while you're here, just take my credit card now. I'm just going to give it to you now. I'll the take credit card. Just give me the credit card. This way, right. my, my son doesn't have to ask me anymore. Here, just take it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, sir. Takeaways, gentlemen. <laughs> Esports, how I know I say it all the time. Man, it is so much money now in this, and it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And my takeaway is the sophistication with which Carlos delivered all of the business implications of what's going on. You can picture a guy sitting in front of a young kid sitting in front of a computer screen, and yeah, he's good, and he happens to make some money off of this esports. But no, no, Carlos gets it. He understands what's going on in traditional sports, how they can help esports, the differences between the two. There's a business mind behind all this. That was my takeaway from this. I didn't know much about him before the interview, but I wouldn't bet against him afterward. Sure, and and if you think about the way that you know these teams, esports teams, make money versus traditional sports teams, uh, the re the the media rights piece that is so big for NFL and NBA teams isn't really as big for esports teams, and sponsorship takes up a bigger piece of that. Um, and he talked about ways in which you can incorporate your sponsors into the game itself. But as we just discussed earlier in this podcast, a 
lot of sponsors out there don't know how to determine their ROI. As that space continues to change, uh, it will be imperative for esports to continue to be kind of the front line for sponsors in terms of reaching what is a very targeted and uh, and, and valuable demographic. All those bar kids right there. Bar kids. Your son. That's who they get on to reach. Your kid, my kid, Edmund's nephew. <laughs> Oscar, who's, who's all of three weeks old now? <laughs> Remember, you said you were just going to hand the uh, credit card over. Yeah, that's I, it. I, and that's all, I feel that's the way it's going. I mean, my son has said, "Dad, Dad, can I just buy? Can I download? Can I just get?" And I, I'm standing firm. The line right now is no, but we'll see. Does your son have a, have esports teams that he roots for, or he no? Just he does not. No, so yeah, he just plays the games. He has no allegiance to any specific hmm. team. By the way, I got to say this real quick. You know about Fortnite, yeah. and one of the reasons why I love today's life about kids boys or girls it doesn't make a difference they don't care if they're playing as the boy or they're playing as the girl yeah. that's something that is really the cool. avatar yes the yeah. avatar yeah and no, and okay. and that that is really cool that is we have come leaps and bounds and i, I am so proud to see that well i would say yes my, my son by the way signed up for a cooking class at school like one of those after school things and he came home and he said dad i'm the only boy in the class i said so, does that bother you? He's like, no, I like doing it. There we there go. You go. There I you go. I love Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But he, he, he was fun first. He's like, I'm the only boy. I'm like, so? I'm like, cooking's cool. You, every, you need to learn how to cook for yourself. So, that's good. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since the kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports. The number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. It's an easy one, guys, because we kind of know what it is. 165. He he does this all the time. Says uh, it's easy, and I have no idea. Like we do. Sometimes we talk about it ahead of time. Characters you get on Twitter. <laughs> 165. 165. Esports related? related because of Carlos or no? Nope. This is not esports. Laps in the Indianapolis 165. <laughs> I know. No, there's 500 laps. In you know what it is. I bet you know. I bet you know what it is. 165 retweets on a cat video. Oh, oh no! Yeah, you had me. And I, I was, thought you were going to say 165 lost followers. I was listening intently. I'm going to get back to the cat video. I got to tell you something in a second. The 165. No idea. Now, first of all, um, Dana White with UFC says no. We are not creating a 165-pound weight class. Oh, Eben, you wanted to talk mm, about this. So did, maybe yeah. in our closings, away. yeah, go. go yeah, it's it. perfect. Uh, the this kind of stems from a there's a UFC event in New York City in a couple weeks in early November. Um, as you know, UFC and MMA as a sport fought so hard to get into New York. The, the, the first event they had at Madison Square Garden a couple years ago was a huge deal. Now they've got another event on the calendar for, for, for November, and because of injuries, et cetera, they don't have a main event. Uh, and they are now scrambling to figure out a main event. And one of the options that was being bandied about there, including by the fighters, was creating a 165-pound weight limit as a way to get two very popular fighters to meet kind of in the middle of their classes uh, and fight. As of right now, we're what, we're six weeks away from, from, from a big event in New York City, and UFC does not have a main event. Uh, that is something they need to fix, and they need to fix quickly. How do you fix it? 
ideally I mean, you, you need to fix the biggest stars are who they are and they're unavailable to fight how do you fix that yeah i think you need to find and and the outside of this weight class the weight class could have fixed it uh diaz is a, is a huge star if you can find someone else to fight him i think that probably Nathan diaz. yeah that probably works well enough to, to entice people to come out uh but you know there are people that have tickets or are planning to go to this thing right now uh and not having a main event is obviously a uh, is a huge concern yeah, uh, it was a great tweet. Nathan Diaz, he put out a tweet. He said, hey, I'm happy to announce that I'm bringing a new weight division to the UFC. And Dana White says, no, you're not. Yeah, you don't know if, there, if <laughs> oh, there's well, maybe that's just like, maybe there. I'm doing it. I don't know. I mean, there's some subtlety He may there. be trying to leverage his way into doing it by, by thinking that if you put it out there publicly, that maybe UFC will feel like it has to do it. But there is a disconnect right now between what Dana White is saying, which is no middleweight class and, and, and no fight, versus what the, both the fighters are saying which is that they're planning to be the main event at 165, which would be a totally new division for UFC. We are an exciting trio because you've been listening to the Bloomberg business of sports just like that. We're done. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. Big Bar. You can follow me on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Now, thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with Bar. This is a good one. IndyCar champion Scott Dixon. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I know you're I excited. That loud. I didn't mean to say that. I was that thing. I shouldn't be rooting in the press box. That's all right. Okay. I mean, everybody knows you root for the motorsport. Okay. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you? and not against you. With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.